Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This latest episode of the Bleed Lows podcast was brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your championship finals info, stats, scores, and news. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA and Stanley Cup finals. Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters this season as we have you covered for all of your insider sports wagering needs from basketball to hockey to MLB, UFC, and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. So get into the action today. Head to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BLEAVE to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. That's B-L-E-A-V-E. Bet online. And joining us on the carne asada is a jack of all trades. I mean, this is probably maybe one of the greatest broadcasting feats ever because this man can literally broadcast every sport. He broadcasts Major League Baseball. He broadcasts MLS. I, I mean, he's done basketball. I mean, he does the NBA. He, he does everything. He's joining us on the Carne Asada for the very first time, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Francisco Rivera. Francisco, ¿cómo estás, amigo? Hey, hermano. Gracias por invitarme. Thanks, Juan. Thanks, Alicia. There's a pretty good anecdote about it. So last October, um, I, I was very fortunate to do one same week, NBA, NFL, uh, NHL, and MLS. So I was begging on Twitter if anyone could spare a baseball game because the funny thing is that baseball is my, is my first love. Baseball is my baby, but I was not doing baseball at the time, so which is very ironic. So that's why, to me, it's, uh, it's so great uh, to be with you guys today. Thank you for the opportunity. And, you know, just uh, it's an amazing chance for me to talk baseball, which is, then again, my first passion and really the reason why I'm here in Los Angeles. So I'm going to I'm going to let Alicia go into your uh, first love, Major League Baseball. I just have a couple of things that I want to get out of the way first, yeah. uh, because you are a feller, a fellow grad of Playa Larga. You and I are both hey. alumni of Long Beach State. Uh, we are uh, I like to call ourselves dirtbags, even though, you know, we're technically 49ers, right? Or, or the, or beach and all that at BS. Right. But I like to refer to us as the dirtbags, but Long Beach State is, uh, Playa Larga is, is, is ruling it here on the show. So I just want to give a shout out to uh, Playa Larga. Uh, can you explain to our listeners what is the difference between La Ciudad de Mexico y el DF? Well, uh, DF, Distrito Federal, is the formal name of the state. It's because it's, it's like saying Washington, D.C., District of Columbia. It's technically not a state, but it's just a capital city. But then, uh, recently, our Mexico City government said we're not going to call it Distrito Federal or DF or DF anymore. We're just going to call, call it CDMX, CDMX, to make it more formal. But, you know, it's... Same crap, brother. It's, it's, it's not a, you know, name does not really matter to me. A lot of people, when I say DF, I'm from DF, they, they're like, oh, no, it's CDMX. I don't care. 
It's the same town that that uh, gave me my first light, and the same town that I love, and the same place that I go to visit my dad every every once in a while. So for me, it's uh, it's Mexico City, DFS, Ciudad de Mexico, whatever. I don't, you know, CDMX. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't really matter to me. Go ahead, Alicia. I just wanted to follow up on that. It kind of reminds me of here in Los Angeles, people that grew up in South Central versus mm-hmm. South LA. Is it generational? Like, do you actually care, right. Francisco? Do you get mad? Do you interchange? Because some people, friends of mine that grew up in South Central still say South Central. They get like yeah. upset if you say South LA. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. No, no. I think it's more, um, it's just like, a formality, but at the same time, to me, it's just habit. You know, where are you from? De donde eres, compa? Oh, pues del DF. <laughs> you know what I said, de la capital. So there's no debate. Yeah. Capital city, de la capital, ya estuvo, de la capirucha. Nice. <laughs> and no, no one gets mad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. So, I mean, you're, you're born. So here, the, everybody on this show, we're all Mexican-Americans, Chicanos, whatever you want to name us, because we all, we can't agree on a name, right? I mean, we're Latinos, Latinx, whatever. But basically, bottom line, we're, we're Americans born here and Mexicans, or, or like Jimmy Omilde likes to say, I'm Mexican born in Los Angeles. Um, how did you make that trek from Mexico, Mexico City to, to L.A. or to the, to the States? It's an interesting question because my my grandpa, from what I'm told, was the first one to come here. Uh, he actually came here like in the 60s. Uh, some of my uncles and aunts followed like in the late 60s, early 70s. My dad was one of the siblings that, you know, did well in Mexico City. We came from from humble beginnings, but all my uncles and aunts were really hard to just become someone in life in, in Mexico. And uh, my dad was doing well with his business. So he said, why? Why? Um, fix it if it ain't broken right so he just continued living there but because because of his uh siblings here in los angeles he would like to come visit them and then my dad played baseball since he was a little kid in the 50s so baseball for us in mexico city uh it's 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 all about soccer baseball and boxing right in mexico city uh, so my dad played uh in, and he just fell in love with coming here, not only to visit his siblings, but going to Dodger Stadium, meeting some people. Um, and then my my uncle, one of my uncles was an optometrist, my uncle Tony, and he knew Tony DeMarco well. Tony DeMarco was uh, the first manager that Fernando Valenzuela had. So because of that, they met Fernando like in the early 80s when he came, actually 1980 when he first came before that legendary 81 season. Uh, when he came, he would used to play soccer in Griffith Park. We have, you know, I, I hear great stories. We have some pictures, actually. Uh, there, there's an, an interesting story there where Fernando's carrying me as a baby. And I think this was 82 or 83, and I was barely, I was born in 82. And then that, remember the camera rolls that used to exist back in the day that you place them incorrectly? They would <laughs> go to crap, the crapper. Well, that happened. That happened to my pictures as a baby with Fernando. However, some of them that I have, I'll show them to you at some point. My, I think it's my mom and my aunt carrying little Fernando. And those we still have. This is like 82. We have some pictures of my cousins with Fernando back in the 80s. I actually showed uh, one of them once to, to Fernando. And he's like, yeah, I still have that belt. I remember that's like from 84, 85. So, you know, those memories you know, go back in, in, in my household. And uh, I would always see Dodger memorabilia here and there, autographed baseballs. 
And then when I was old enough to understand, I started playing soccer at eight years old. Uh, then I started playing baseball at 10 uh, and I fell in love with it. My dad, I, I would say he was a, a good amateur baseball player. So he, he like, he gave me the ins and outs of the game Then I started playing. And then every summer I would come here and stay with my cousins or my aunts or uncles uh, and just go to Dodger stadium. They would just leave me there. They're like, okay, here's, here's the money for your ticket. We'll see you after the game. And there's this little kid so excited. I mean, it was for me, it was the best experience. The first one was, Uh, 1995, it was when I was 13 years old. So I would come 95, 96, 97, 98. And then in 99, I told my dad, you know what I think? You know, I want to come over and stay. There's two things that I want to do. One of them, I want to be a professional soccer player. Major League Soccer had just started in 96. So I think I have a better shot to get a scholarship here, get drafted. And I also want to be a TV broadcaster. And I, I want to do baseball. And that, that's my calling. So I tried both of them. Uh, actually, one of them came to fruition, which is the broadcast part. I did not become a professional soccer player, but still so happy that that path and that love for baseball eventually led me here. And that's, in a nutshell, a quick recap of why I decided to come here to, to the States. I'm going to let Alicia dwell into your fandom of, of the Doyers, but I just have a quick question because you were talking about how your, your grandfather was playing baseball in the 50s. And no, my, there, dad, my dad. Uh, your dad, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, And it's, I think there is this, this, I don't know, there's this belief, right, that, and I get it, you mentioned it, el boxeo, el fútbol, dominan en México. But I really think the love of el baseball is really underappreciated yeah. in Mexico because the Mexican Baseball League is great. And the thing is, extending it out here, here comes a little history lesson, right? Los Angeles was Mexico before it was stolen. Uh, but the first baseball team out here before the Doyers was a team called Los Choriceros. And that was a team made up of a bunch of Mexicans. So I, I'm glad that you were able to confirm the love of baseball. And I, I don't know if you know the history in terms of why is it that baseball is so popular in, in Mexico? Is it because we're just so close to the border And it was just like, hey, the Americans are playing this sport. We can do it. Because, I mean, my dad would tell me stories that they would take the, the, los balones y cuando se ponchaban, they would rip them open and use them as gloves. And then, like, a light post, they would knock it down and make a baseball bat out of it. And it's all dirt fields out there. So it's just like, how the hell do you guys, maybe it's just my ignorance that I take for granted that baseball is not just a sport in the United States. Baseball is a sport that is international. Well, let me tell a great story of, about that. Uh, so my dad played in a bunch of really good teams during his, you know, as a kid and, and when he was uh, a youth and, and, and a teenager in Mexico. One of his uh, coaches uh, was, was called El Brujo Rosel. He was a huge Cuban player, huge coach. He was a legend in Cuba. And then when I came here, I befriended some of the Cuban writers that used to come to Dodger Stadium. I don't know if Alicia has, you know, she's probably met some of them. One of them who recently passed away, Angel Torres. They call him La Biblia del Baseball, the Baseball Bible. Angel, you know, he knew everything. He was incredible. And then he met my dad. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to write an article in honor to your dad about El Brujo Rosel for his newspaper. And that was incredible because they were sharing stories about baseball in Mexico like in the 50s and the 60s. And then I see my dad just going, because I'm, I'm the baseball expert, right? But I see my dad going back and forth with those stories. I just felt so proud. It made me feel so proud. 
to see my my papa talking to a legend like La Biblia del Baseball, Angel Torres, like that about Cuban and Mexican baseball. And then uh, when you talk about baseball in uh, in Mexico, I was very proud to go to Monterrey recently when the Angels played the Astros there in 2019. And I pitched the folks at Fox Sports West an opportunity to do an English language story about the baseball history in Monterrey, because there's a team of kids that actually, you know, became legends. Actually, there's been two movies made about them. The Little Giants, Los Pequeños Gigantes, who won the, the, the U tournament, the Williamsburg tournament in 1957. Right. Coming from Mexico in a you know, broken bus, no AC and then no uniforms whatsoever. And they beat everyone there. And I was very proud to do that story because I believe that, you know, people need to know that. Yeah, it's the soccer and baseball and whatnot. But us Mexicans really love our baseball and not only Mexicans born here because that's understandable. But also people like like me from Mexico City or from Monterrey or from Campeche, you name it. You know, baseball is not everywhere. But yeah, I mean, we love baseball in Mexico. Alicia, he he knows how to get our attention, right? He shows up to the show wearing a Dodgers jersey. Right, right. I know. I love it. I love it. Uh, welcome, welcome. You are yourself are just this this knowledge of baseball. I can definitely tell that it is your first love. Um, but I think in the intro, we I wanted to throw in there. You also do the LA Kings. Yeah, and I've seen you covering golf. So you really are like Jamaican man. Like what the <laughs> Well, it's it's been incredible to be able to to manage all of that and 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 join and, and be able to join all of my passions and be able to link them together. Like one of the best experiences that I've had. I've been very fortunate to work for the Kings the last five seasons, not only as a broadcaster, but also a consultant, trying to be that bridge to our Latino community here in, in, in Los Angeles and also in Mexico. We opened an academy in Mexico yes. City, Los, Los Mexico City Junior Kings, which we're very proud to say. But one of my biggest moments as an LA King actually happened at Dodger Stadium. So before the pandemic, we had uh, Kings Night at Dodger Stadium in 2019. And there I was with Bailey, our mascot, the players, taking pictures on the field, being so proud of just being there. And I took a picture with some of the Kings players. I think Tyler Toffoli was there. Uh, it was like five of us. But I'm there taking a picture with Kings players, all of us in Dodgers jerseys. And to me, that was one of the proudest moments because then again, I was able to you know, put together my love for both baseball and hockey in, in one picture. It was incredible. Nice, nice. So jealous. How fun. Um, I, I know because you work in this field, that wasn't your first time on the field. But do you remember the first time? Because I'm that dork that remembers the first time I got to walk onto Dodgers, Dodgers Stadium field. Do you remember your first time? Well, there's been two. As a fan, uh, one of the first times that I came in 1995, they had photo day on the field. So um, and I still have that picture because they let us walk in the field and there I am like I, I didn't come uh, with anybody. It was just me. So I'm carrying my camera on my shoulders and I'm carrying I have like little kangaroo, you know, one of those bags. So I have everything with me. Like I'm carrying my soda. But there's someone who was kind enough to take a picture of me where wow. the by the bleachers where I, I think the fence at 360 or 380 right right there by the number. I have that picture. Uh, so that was the first time I was able to, to walk into the field. But the first time as a broadcaster, per se, I was working as an intern when I was going to Long Beach State. I was working as an intern for Fox Sports Net at the time. And I remember, um, you know, getting, try to get all the contacts 
you know, to try to get a credential and just go cover the Dodgers. And at the time, I, my dad knew someone who had a local newspaper, a monthly, was a big distribution, a monthly newspaper. It was called Que Pasa Bulletin. And then because of the contacts I accrued at Fox, I was able to find out who to talk to at the Dodgers. So, you know, to tell them, hey, I'm writing for the newspaper. Uh, you know, I, I want to come in and do some stories for you in Spanish. So I had someone at Fox that I still talk to, and he gave me all the advice. When you walk into the clubhouse, just do this, do that. You know, just give me all the all the background stories, right? So the first time I'm walking in there, um, I see right before we go on the field, I go into the, to the locker room, and I see like 20 Dodger guys here in one corner and 20 other Dodger guys in another corner. So the very first time I decided to go to a game and I was given a credential, Milton Bradley got into a fight with Jeff Kent. So, <laughs> so I walked right into the aftermath of it. So that was my welcome, my ba my bautizo to, to Dodger baseball. <laughs> I don't know if, I mean, I'm sure you've heard the story, but I was there right after the fight. It was just hilarious. It was like September of 2005. And it's one of those things that I, that I will never forget. Wow, your story is better than mine. Um, <laughs> I, I was there covering as well, and we were all out on the field. And, you know, I'm, I'm dressed up because I just came from the morning news gig. And yeah. all I was able to do was change my shoes. But I had, like, a dress on and everything. And I wanted to touch the grass. And so I remember thinking, how do I gracefully touch the field without attracting too much attention? Because, again, I'm in, like, a you know, a tight work dress, you know, a fitted, fitted. And finally, I just didn't care. I was like, I, I can't, it's my first time, you know, I've, I've been going to the stadium since I was a little girl, but the first time I'm like, I got to touch. And so I finally just bent down and like, just rubbed my hand around it. And I stood up and I'm like, I wish my dad was here. Like so cool. Right. The first time you get to, you know, because we sat way up top deck, you know, reserve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So to be on the field was like a big deal. So congratulations on yeah. all of your success. Um, I also want to go back to something you spoke about earlier. I think you glossed over. You you definitely let us know, and thank you for sharing your experience, Francisco, about how important the Dodgers were to your family, even while you all still lived in Mexico. Yeah. But what specifically about Fernando? Because I remember you telling me a story yeah. not too long ago about Fernando being like the pool. Like, I mean, I, I, am I wrong? Did I, did I misunderstand it? Like your family really decided, okay, I'm going to, it's okay for Francisco to go live there. And we, you know, go there because for Fernando opened up the floodgates of being proud, being part of baseball, because beforehand the Dodgers didn't have a lot of love from, you know, Mexicans, like, yeah. you know, so what I what I understand, and, and then going back to to the story. So Tony DeMarco was um, Fernando's agent. He used right. to work and had some kind of contract with a million dollar theater theater, which is by Grand Central Market, right. right? So that's like old school LA for those new generations. I wasn't even part of that. So <laughs> my uncle was an optometrist, and he worked right across the street from the million dollar theater. So that's how he met Tony, and because I think Tony DeMarco was a client of his. So they, they, they befriended each other and whatnot. And then when Tony DeMarco was, became Fernando's first agent, they kept on talking. And one of the biggest stories that my dad tells me is that he was shocked because Tony DeMarco called my dad. And, and my, my, my dad was here on vacation with my uncle. And they're like, you know, I want you guys to meet Fernando Valenzuela. So they went to Griffith Park. 
and Fernando Valenzuela was actually playing soccer. And Alicia, you know this. You go with him. He's an amazing athlete. I think he, whatever he puts his mind or feet or arm into, he's going to be the best. And so my dad is looking at Fernando Valenzuela playing soccer. And he's like, he was shocked because, like, Fernando at the time was already Fernando. This was 1981. But I believe they had met him in the, like, 1980 when he came. Um, and then there was another very interesting connection that my dad had. Uh, do you ever, Alicia, do you ever meet El Chiquilin from La Opinion? No, but I know who the photographer, I but, met. But, so yeah. For whatever reason, uh, El Chiquilin knew my my cousin's husband. And, and that cousin, she was born here as well, or she came here when she was little. So they've been around for a long time. So El Chiquilin was actually able to bring my dad and my uncles onto the field in 1985 and it was this was a legends game so my dad has and i i can share those with you guys at some point but he took pictures with like roy campanella uh who was one of the legends but the current players back then it was bob welch and uh who else was there tom needham fewer some uh steve howe like back then but my dad's proudest moment is a picture that he had there it was a dodgers astros game and El Chiquilin was able to take a picture of my dad and my uncle with Nolan Ryan. So okay. that's like my dad's, you know, proudest moment. And then going back to that day, my dad takes a picture of Mariano Duncan, who at the time was a young up-and-coming infielder, right? Had just come from the minors. Well, the first time I was already working with the Dodgers back in 2006, we're doing a Spanish show. I took a picture of Mariano Duncan. This was on the field in 2006. And I was able to put those two pictures together from 85 and 2006. My dad with Mariano first. And then here am I as a young broadcaster with Mariano. So these connections, then again, were in my family, around my household for a while. So I think when I told my dad about my intentions of being a baseball broadcaster and going to Los Angeles, going back through every, that every, through everything that he went through with my uncle and meeting so many people, I think he wanted to support me. And I, and I thank him for that. Wow. Jeez. Maybe you should write a book. Yeah, I, I want to. <laughs> I want to. And, and thankfully, you know, Juan was calm when you brought up Needing Cure because that's usually used to be. I think he's worked through it. Juan, have you worked through it, the, the trigger? <laughs> I, I've, totally, I, I've totally worked through it. I mean, you mentioned 1985. That yes. year in particular, Francisco, really triggers so me. So sorry. <laughs> because that is my first memory uh, of becoming a baseball fan and in particular becoming a fan of this team was how our hearts were broken in 1985. Tom Fear was a guy that I blamed for years for the Dodgers losing that series. And these guys, these jerks on this show ambushed me and brought Tom Fear on the show without telling me, right? Now I'm sitting here bashing this guy saying, ah, Fear every time the Dodgers lose, like earlier this week against the Rojos, when they got walked off, I'm just like, we got need and feared. We got need and feared. And they, but I, I digress. I'm trying to get over that trauma. But I, I have to ask you because you coming from Mexico, mm -hmm. the Dodgers have been very, very lucky. You, you knew that you either wanted to be a, a, a futbolero or you wanted to be a broadcaster. Yeah. So we had Vince Scully and then we had El Maestro Jaime Jarrín. Yeah. Did you know that in when it came to broadcasting, you always wanted to do it on the on the Spanish side? 
or were you just like, I'll, I'll do it anyway? Because when, when you mentioned those stories about the 2006, was that when you were doing uh, Vamos Dodgers? Yeah, 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 that show that we actually pitched to uh, to the Dodger uh, front office, yeah, 2006. It just so you out. had to pitch it. So this is what fascinates me, right? This is because a story, man. This is a great story. First of all, just a quick icebreaker. Here's the picture. I don't know if you guys can see it. But that's, a <laughs> that's my dad and Mariano and my uncle, and that's wow. me right below. So, and then Mariano autographed it and dedicated it to my dad, which is the same. That's awesome. No, this is this story is amazing, man. And um, Josh Rawich, who was a Dodgers uh, PR director, who's now the director of the Hall of Fame, the president of the Hall of Fame, if I'm not mistaken. I, I recently saw him, and we're just catching up about the good old days. So this, this is an amazing story, man, uh, and you, you won't believe it. But I was walking into a soccer game in 2006. It was Club America came to play here against a Colombian team. I think it was Deportivo Cali. It doesn't really make a difference. But I saw a guy who I recognized because he was an actor in a Mexican novela. So I approached him and talked to him. So he was producing sports at the time. So we started talking. We hit it off well. And then we said, you know what? Uh, we should partner up and try to pitch a, a Spanish show for the Dodgers. They don't have one. Let's get together and, and just do it. So, you know, we kept on talking. We approached some people in the Dodger front office. There was Josh and John Olguin, who was working with the Dodgers at the time. And I think Alicia might have met him. So here we are. We're like, how do we do this? Where do we put it? We eventually put it on LA TV, uh, Channel 57. So we, we did like eight shows. But um, the way it actually came together... So I arrived at the meeting. I am, I was what, 24 at the time, 23 or 24 at the time. So, I mean, this young kid still going to Long Beach State, but trying to break ground into broadcasting. My partner comes late to the meeting. He actually came after the meeting was done. So here is this 23 or 24 year old kid pitching a show to the Dodgers brass. And I remember one of the guys I remember was there was uh, Tag Romney who's Mitt Romney's son, our former presidential candidate. Tag at the time, as I believe, the VP of marketing. There was the VP of uh, broadcast, the VP of PR. Frank McCourt's son, uh, I think Drew is his name. Drew McCourt was there. So here's this little kid pitching a show in front of 20 people, and some of them high Dodger executives and one of the owners. I was freaking out, man. I had my little lap Dell laptop with a PDF, and here I am, am I just, you know, going through through slides. But, you know, I think they saw something there. Even though they didn't pay for the show, per se, they allowed us to use their image. And I think, to me, well, that was very valuable. So that's really how things started. But I was very, very fortunate to do that. But it was a huge lesson. So the guy arrives, and he sees me at the parking lot. He's like, how did it go? I'm like, hijo de but Francisco, this is 2006. Yeah. Like this, uh, to me, ever since Fernando came, right? To me, it seemed like the Latino fan base, in particular, Mexicanos, were Dodger fans. We have been told that the Dodgers are still the most popular baseball team in Mexico. I don't know if you can confirm if that's accurate or not. The Yankees, probably the Dodgers and the Yankees, but yeah, I would say the Dodgers because of Fernando. So how is it that in 2006, you still have to pitch a concept to, hey, let's do a show about the Dodgers so our Spanish-speaking audience 
can be informed of that. I mean, are you just ahead of your time? Or is that just negligence on the organization's part where they're not identifying a part of their community? Playing devil's advocate, uh, you guys were born here. But a lot of the people that have crossed the border since the 1980s do not necessarily come from baseball backgrounds. They come from a lot of states that where baseball is not necessarily king. Like we have a lot of people from Michoacan. You have, there's no professional baseball team there. You have a lot of people from Zacatecas. There's no professional baseball team there. Well, uh, the Jalisco, maybe. Yeah, they have the Charros de Jalisco. Now they're called Mariachis de Guadalajara. That'll be the only one, but they're mostly soccer fans. So I, I would think that that's the main reason that our, our audience or sp Spanish-speaking only audience is not necessarily baseball-oriented, if that makes sense. With you guys who were born here, you're bilingual, but you can follow Vince Colley the same way you can follow Jaime Jarrin, right? You guys have that duality. If that if that makes sense for people who only speak Spanish or in the majority speak Spanish, they're not as big as baseball followers as as other people in the audience. Like, let's say you go to Florida. Yeah. I mean, everyone speaks Spanish there and everyone's a baseball fan because they come from Cuba, which is, you know, they have a fandom of 120 percent <laughs> baseball. -wise, you know, what I mean, so I think that's a main difference. But, you know, devil's advocate. That's probably the reason why it happened that way. Alicia, go ahead. I just, I, um, thank you for sharing that with me. I, I'm always down to learn more about, because I was born here. Uh, what is it? Pocha, Pocha Chola. <laughs> She's the Pocha Chola of the show oh, there, Francisco. <laughs> well, Francisco, I think what my co-host was asking, um, I'm, I had the same sentiment, Juan. Um, that's 2006. And that's awesome that you've got, to use that show. And by the way, everyone, the audience at home watching LATV doesn't know that the Dodgers didn't pay you. So you just gave away the magic, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, what I mean is my, the production company paid me. I no, guess no, it. I know what you meant, but I'm yeah, saying yeah. most people don't know how TV magic works. If they sure. see the Dodgers logo, it is so cool sure. that you are working for the Dodgers. You know what I'm saying? It's much more valuable. I think the brand, <laughs> them letting us use the brand is much more valuable, I guess. Yeah, any that they could pay. That makes sense. Right. Oh, it totally makes sense. I'm just saying, like, I'm just teasing you because you, you we, I wouldn't have known. I, I, if you had not told me, I would think the Dodgers totally were paying you, which is super, even, you know, that's all. I'm teasing you. Yeah. But really, what I wanted to get to is my co-host brought up a point that I've been saying since I could remember. Is it negligence on the Dodgers part that it took you guys, you gentlemen, to go pitch a show to them when maybe they should have already been doing multiple shows since Fernando got there about the Dodgers? Does that make sense? Because yeah, it's, it's, of how big the fan base. Because I was not part of it. I was not part of it back then. Uh, in the 90s when I used to, I mean, the 80s, that was a complete blur for me. I was little. I was too little to understand. The 90s, which is when I fell in love with baseball in 1992, I was just a tourist coming to games. And to me, what I can tell you, though, is uh, and with all due respect, I did see much more white people in the 90s than I see now. It was it was in a majority. It was mostly Caucasians going to Dodger games. That's at least my experience. So I don't I don't know until I really got involved into broadcasting, which is 2005, 2006. That was my experience. And that's when we thought, oh, we should do this. Let's pitch it. So before that, it'll, it'll be unfair for me to to say they should have done this before. They shouldn't have. You know, it's 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 hard to say. What I can tell you, though, from my experience as a consultant with the Kings, 
a lot of people ask me, why don't we see more Los Reyes jerseys? Or why do we not see more Spanish-speaking stuff? Like I'm doing Spanish radio for the Kings. But something that I've really tried to sell the team is it doesn't really matter which language you bring it out to the world, but be organic and be original, right? There, be authentic, if that makes sense. I've seen a lot of teams, and with all the respect, everyone fights for what they believe in and they, they push, and with all the respect to them. But a lot of the, the attempts that I see to cater to the Latino community are just copycatting everything else that's been done. And with me and, and the Kings, for example, I try to do stuff that's organic where I'm going to reach other audiences that haven't been reached before. Uh, and I'm going to try to do it as authentic as possible. When you have like the, the, other, the other Muerto celebration, right? I try to be as, you know, insist as much as is this original. They, they, they come back to me. And I'm very fortunate, you know, to have an organization like the Kings ask for my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I try to tell them. It doesn't matter if it's in Espanol or in Inglés or in el idioma que sea. You just have to make sure it's authentic. And to me, then again, appealing and catering to the Mexican-American bilingual audience that we have right now, that we're fortunate that most of us speak both languages, I think, you know, we'll, the, the language is not what matters. It, it's just a message. And I think that's important. And again, playing devil, devil's advocate, I, I think to me, the language, of, of course, the Spanish language broadcasting was what gave me my in. And I'm always going to be thankful. But at this point in a country where I believe most of, us, most of us speak both languages, I think it's more about the message and about being bicultural, if that makes sense, that, than being bilingual. Yeah, bravo. <laughs> you know, you bring up an interesting point, Francisco, and that you said in the 90s you saw a, a more wide audience at Dodger Stadium as opposed to what you see at Dodger Stadium now. Is it too on the nose to sit there and say, well, in the 90s, that's when Fernando was gone. We didn't have Fernando at Dodger Stadium. And, you know, for the longest time, I think we've heard people say the Dodgers need a Mexican star. They need a Mexican star. And then all of a sudden, Julio Urias shows up. Yeah. Um, but for me, it, I, I always have felt, I mean, maybe it's just because I hang around with Mexicans, that Mexicans were always Dodger fans. But in terms of that, Mookie Betts has said he wore a shirt last year saying he wants to see more African-Americans playing Major League Baseball. The Dodgers are going to be making a run at Shohei Otani. I don't think it's a coincidence that they're having Japanese Heritage Night the day that the Angels are coming into town to play the Dodgers. So... Is it important for uh, any type of sport? You mentioned what you were trying, what you're trying to do with the Kings to have players that reflect their community. Does that make a difference or is it really just about the product? You got to have a good product out there and the fans will come out. Yes and no. Uh, and from my experience, so m the first game that I, that I went to Dodger Stadium, I was very fortunate because they got me really good tickets, like three rows behind the Dodger bench. But my for my second game, I was not that fortunate, and they uh, they gave they bought me like a twelve dollar ticket that was like all the way in the blue seats on the left side, closer to the to the left field pole, uh, foul pole. On the reserve, we call those the Jose Casas that's uh, right, seats. That's right. So Hideo Nomo was pitching that night, mm -hmm. and the Japanese audience there it was incredible. They were having a party, man. It was it was incredible. And then going back to Doctor History lessons. Back then in 95 and 96, they used to call our pitching staff the United Nations. 
because we had Ramon Martinez, who was Dominicano. Uh -huh. We had Pedro Astacio, who was also Dominicano. Then you had Chan Ho Park, who was Korean. You had Hideonomo, who was from Japan. And you had Ismael Valdez, who was uh, Mexican. And you also had Darren Dryford, who started actually uh, as a starting pitcher before he, he transferred to the bullpen. So the Dodgers have always prided themselves in being that trailblazer team that has opened the doors in Mexico, in the Dominican Republic. So they've really made an attempt to it. But the problem is, I think I saw it in, in, in Major League Soccer with Chivas USA. When they try to be that competition to the Galaxy, they were able to bring a lot of huge stars that, I, that I'm very fortunate to call friends. And they've made their, their home in Los Angeles. Claudio Suarez, Martín El Pulpo Zúñiga, Ramón Ramírez, legends for the Mexican national team. But what happens when you're not able to bring those kind of stars here? It, I, I don't think it really has to do with nationality of the player because there's going to be a point where the general managers are interested in bringing the best player they can sign, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, marketing, that, that, that could be important. But at the same time, I think the fan base is just there and is going to be there. It's important. I think it can enhance the fact that you have someone that looks like you, that talks like you, that represents you. But at the same time, yeah, I, I, I think as a GM and as a manager, you have to build your best roster with the best players that you can get regardless of nationality. Yeah, but it helps that he helps. is it a helps. superstar, just galactic, epic baseball player who happens to be from Japan. And we are in an area, what is it, us in Seattle that have the most uh, Japanese, uh, well, the largest is that It's more than the Bay Area? I thought the Bay Area us would be up there. More, but I mean, okay. I, I'm throwing us... I forgot the Bay Area, maybe on purpose. And Seattle. <laughs> 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 I kid. Uh, you know what, Francisco, one of the things you had mentioned it, what you're trying to do with the Kings and, and being organic, and you had mentioned Chivas USA. I'm just curious to see what you think. The, the Dodgers have a lot of mariachi playing there, and the players love it, right? Every player we have on the show tells us how much they love the mariachi. It's the reporters that are covering that are over the mariachi. But I have heard the, the comments about it's like, really, are we going to have mariachi all the time? Not, not all Mexicans identify with mariachi. They had a giveaway earlier this year that I actually like, but they handed out gavanes. Now, I say gavan. You tell me, Francisco, is it a gavan or is it a pancho or a serape? To me, it's a gavan. Uh, Gaban, it's like, uh, I, I hadn't heard that word in a long time. I think it goes back to my grandma, man. <laughs> so, but I'm, I dating, I'm dating myself. But I'm here with one that, uh, that we would use more, I would say, in Mexico City. Pancho, I, I, I hadn't heard it until I came here to uh -huh. the U.S. But I, yeah, Sarape would be, Cobija would be the, the, the more familiar terms, at least for me. Yeah. So it, <laughs> giving, giving out that giveaway, was that a, a mistake? Or, I mean, I, I liked it, but there were some people that were kind of like, hmm, really? This this is what you're going to hand out on Mexican Heritage Night? Oh, it's, a, it's a tough one, man. It's a tough one because you, you go to movies where they usually generalize the Mexican folk and you see the sarape and the hat, right? The sombrero yeah. and el burro, right? <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, it's part of a culture, too. But, but it, it's kind of like what you mentioned about the mariachis, right? When I was going to Long Beach State, uh, I entered a talent show. Music is one of my passions. Uh, it's my, I would say, my alternate passion after, after sports or besides sports. And I, I have a, uh, two friends who are also from Mexico City. 
and we played rock en español. And then we said, you know what? We, we're going to play something that's close to our roots because we love rock and roll. But then we're going to give it that Mexican face. So we, we chose three songs that were famous in the 90s among, amongst the rock, Mexi rock Mexicano bands. And uh, that's what we did. And probably a lot of people expected us to do mariachi, maybe, or norteño or corrido. But the, the, the great thing about the Mexican culture in, specifically is that regardless where you're from, you have amazing food, food, amazing music, amazing history, regardless of the state that you're in or where you come from. And I think that really represents us well. Uh, the problem is that when you come to the U.S., it is hard for people to understand how can someone be so different, right? How could someone from Guadalajara speak so differently than someone from DF? How can their foods be so different? How can the music or the sports that they like be so different, right? But it, it's not, it's, it's nobody's fault. It's just hard to understand it. We're, I think what, that's what makes us Mexicanos so unique, Right. Uh, but it, then again, it's it's hard. And a lot of people you, you can get mad saying, oh, why are they playing mariachi all the time? Well, it's, it's part of our roots, too, even though some people in Monterrey or in El Norte might listen to corridos or norteñas. Right. So it, it really or us in Mexico City might like rock and roll more. So it, it really depends on where you're at. I, I, I tend not to get mad anymore, but <laughs> a consultant, really, as a consultant from the Kings, I am very, very attentive to every single effort other teams make because it, it helps me and our brand to to understand better what other teams are doing how people react to it so so to me i just take it that way alicia were you gonna chime in with something no i was just gonna i love that you brought that up how diverse mexico is because as someone coming from Uh, you know, English only media, I had a real problem with how Mexico is represented. It really is the three, you know, the border, uh, Cancun or, you know, Cabo and Mexico City. They ignore the other, you know, there are 32 states in Mexico. And I mean, we can say the same thing about America. I don't get mad. I just wish it was represented better. And I love that you brought that up, that somebody from a different state in Mexico might not like mariachis. So even people here in the States that say, oh, all Mexicans like mariachis, and you just confirm, no, no, they don't. Like, it just depends, you know, and music is so objective anyway, right, or subjective. So, Alicia, let me share a story, and Juan doesn't know this story, uh, but excuse the plug, but I, I'm partners in, in a Mexican liquor company, and that What? everyone thinks it is tequila. <laughs> Because everyone thinks that all people in Mexico drink is tequila and mezcal. But it is actually called Sotol. It's its own plant. Uh, the brand is called Los Magos Sotol. I need to send you guys a bottle. Alicia, I had yours the other day, but unfortunately, we, we couldn't meet and couldn't give it to you. But the point of, it, of Los Magos Sotol is that everyone I talk to, I would say 80% of people think it's tequila or mezcal. They're like, oh, what kind of tequila? What kind of mezcal is this? And then the first time I talked to Alicia about it, She was like, oh, my family's from Chihuahua. I love Sotol. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> there you go. It's like, it's kind of, then again, that illustrates your point perfectly. We're all different. We're so diverse. Right. And the, the, but let's follow that up with the reason. I mean, I'm not going to get into how many celebrities have tequilas, but there is a demand now for agave spirits. And tequila can only come from one region. Sure. So it's a great time right now. In fact, Juan, I think maybe we should create like a mezcal or a, or a satol or what is it? Bacanora from Sonora. Bacanora is from Sonora. Right. So we need to create our own bleed lows because 
agave spirits are the they're it like they're not going anywhere they're just gonna the demand is gonna get greater that's right and so right now example, <laughs> you know alicia sotol comes from chihuahua it's its own mm -hmm. plant but it has a denominación de origen or origin denomination in uh, Chihuahua, Coahuila, and Durango. It's that like northwestern part of Mexico per se. So yeah, it's 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 interesting because it's a, a virgin territory. But then again, it just tells you, as, as you mentioned, Bacanora from Sonora as well. So it just tells you that how many different drinks, how many different spirits you can find going across Republica Mexicana. Yeah, you know, as, as long as we make a paloma, a bleed los palomas, that's all I care about. But it has to have squirt. If they give you any of that grapefruit shit that they do at bars, no, I don't want it. No me lo des. I, it has to be tequila and squirt. But Francisco, you're so right uh, about the, the different dialects. My, my family's from Michoacan. So one day I'm, I, said, I said the word pescado. And someone said, oh, you're from Michoacan, huh? And I was just like, how do you know I'm from Michoacan? And they're like, because the word is pescado. And you said pescado. And people from Michoacan seem to have a tendency to, to do that. Am I, am I right or wrong, Francisco? I, you know what? I, I hadn't really reflected into it. But now, now I know. Now that you've mentioned. I mean, there's so many things, man. There's so many intricacies. Like, I've heard the word. Someone that I work with once said, oh, don't leave food there. No dejes la comida porque vienen los asqueles. I was like, asqueles? <laughs> <laughs> asco. I thought asco. Se va a vomitar algo. And uh, they're going to vomit. They're like, no, hormigas. I'm like, oh, okay. That, that makes sense. There's just so many different things. Then again, which is which makes us great. You, you could think, yeah, um, someone from Mexico speaks differently than someone from Cuba. But yeah, so, someone within the, all the Mexican states might speak differently you know, than their neighbor. And some, there's some words that I might not understand. So it's, it's very interesting then again. Uh, I want to, uh, before we start running out of time, because half of the people on this show are LAFC fans, and you were the inaugural uh, Spanish broadcaster on the, uh, on the radio side for LAFC. Um, I have to ask you, because I've always been impressed by this, and I know it may be the, the Chivas USA thing uh, it maybe contributed to it, but how the hell did the LAFC build such a loyal fan base in such a short amount of time? Well, I, I think the main thing you have to look at it is that when Chivas USA gets folded, uh, there were a lot of fans that were orphans, huerfanitos, right? They were left without a team. And some of the fans tell me that they spoke to, to the commissioner. And the commissioner made that promise of, don't worry, we're going to get a team here in L.A. at some point. You guys will be will be okay. Then a couple of years after, that's when this great ownership group, you know, comes together. And then, you know, the I think from the ashes of Chivas USA and those fans that were loyal and that they needed a team and they wanted to obviously be opposite of the galaxy because they, they wanted to be that other current. They're like, okay, we have a team now. But then you also have to give a lot of props to our marketing PR team and everyone making this possible. One guy that I can tell you has been the, the, the front runner of it all, I would say, Rich Orozco. Yeah. Rich has been incredible uh, helping th this brand grow since day one. He was part of that first little group that said, oh, we're going to call it Los Angeles Football Club. Uh, and, and something that's very unique about us uh, is that we are the only team in any major league sport in the U.S. where you will see more Latinos uh, in the fan base. 
it's incredible, man. And and it just shows you the power of um, of what what a team can do here. And what's great about it too is that you have people from humble beginnings, right? You have people from from around South LA, you name it. And you also have these big celebrities. But when you're there, it really doesn't matter who you are, what what kind of work you do, how much money you have. We all come together, and that's really exciting. That's something that's not easy to do or to accomplish. I think with hockey, it, it, I found it very similar because there's a lot of like Hollywood producers, celebrities, actors, you name it. But it doesn't matter if you're sitting all the way in the in the nosebleeds. We all come together. We're all a team, and that's something that I was able to find through LAFC as well. And I think that's been very important. Uh, we've done it organically. Everyone has done it in a legit way, not trying to just appeal Hollywood or whatnot. I think community has been the main pillar, uh, and also the swag. I mean, when when we didn't hadn't signed a player yet, you were already seeing those beautiful LAFC hats all across airports and restaurants, and you know they build that kind of mysticism. You know what I mean? The the mystique. So I, I think uh, th there's so many different things, but uh, eventually the success on the field has to be has to be king. And the team when when did real well. From the beginning, from the get-go, they reached the playoffs. And then, you know, they the second year in the league, they broke MLS's uh, record for most points. Carlos Bella broke the record for most goals. So it, it goes hand-in-hand hand with your success on the field. But they've always been contenders. So I think that was very important not to get lost in the mix. Because now it's like Inter-Miami, right? Everyone talks about Inter-Miami because of Messi. And, and thank God for that. That's That can only really help our mm -hmm. league. And soccer in our country but inter miami has not been successful on the field so a lot of people say yeah it's beckham's team they brought some great players like rodolfo pizarro from monterrey and you name it but they don't really know about the team because they haven't really won anything so that's i think la that's been very important because it doesn't matter about the swag or the celebrities or the community or the latinos if you don't win or you don't succeed on the field they're gonna forget about you quickly uh, go ahead, Alicia. Go. Get him. No, get him. I'm just saying I agree 100%, but I want to start with something really obvious that I want to give props to. And I, I'm pretty sure Rich was involved in this, but whomever at LAFC, see this LA logo on our beloved Dodger hats, mm -hmm. my dad hat, I, my lucky hats. Um, There's a reason they were strategic, LAFC, you all, about doing the two letter they understand they get it so it's like they looked around the landscape that is southern california and honestly big props to lafc because they have such a large loyal fan base in an area where there's something to do every single day of the week every weekend we have two two teams in every sport I mean, we have the, the beach, we have, you know, the mountains, we, we have everything. And yet LAFC still has this, you know, very loyal, very passionate, very loud following. And it's the swag, the, the black and gold super help. They, they have the, the two letter logo, which, you know, is baseball is American is baseball. Does that make sense? Right. So they were strategic that way. And the community is such a huge part of it. They are constantly doing, you know, handing out food, wrapping toys. Uh, we uh, we participate in a dodgeball tournament to raise money. Like it's it's yeah. very, I just feel like they get it. And I don't know if it's also a generational thing. I feel like a lot of younger people are involved in what do young fans want to happen. They want the experience of going to the game, which is epic. It's one of the best in Southern California, yeah. going to an LAFC home game. And 
you know, young people care about the world and the community. So I'm just what I'm just saying, whomever is running the other teams in MLS, you got to take a look at LAFC and get get to it because they know what they're doing. So congratulations to all of you there. Um, yeah, I, you could tell I, I have a lot of love for LAFC. <laughs> and, and for those our listeners or our viewers watching, Francisco works for Estrella TV and MLS. So that's that's why Alicia keeps referring to what you guys are, are, are doing. Uh, Francisco, I have to ask you this because I've been hearing this for a while now. That, And I'm curious now with Messi coming on board because now Miami, the Miami uh, football team, has more followers than all of Major League Baseball. Was it all of the NFL and the NBA too? Just like that. And that was just Messi coming over. But I keep hearing that eventually MLS is going to take over Major League Baseball. Do you, Is that true? Do you How think... So? Are, are you saying that they're going to be more popular? Yeah, because, I mean, look, Major League... I love Major League Baseball. You love baseball. There was a time where Major League Baseball was number one. Sure. Now, you make an argument, at best, there are three amongst the major sports. You know, you have the NFL as king. Some people put the NBA ahead of, of Major League Baseball. If, you know, MLS continues to make these strides, if maybe they make changes and you can draw more, uh, the, the, you're, I think you're running into the issue that you have these great players coming towards the end of their career as opposed to their be, the beginning of their career. But do you, do you see any scenario where MLS, in terms of popularity, could surpass Major League Baseball, and maybe be the third major sport? Well, I think Major League Baseball is already looking at making some changes because they, they feel like they need to make the game more appealing to younger fans. Uh, but there, I think there's an audience for, for every sport. Um, I can tell you there's something that baseball has that no other sport has, which is this romantic element to it. Is this element of my dad took me to my first baseball game Or my dad took me to a game, you know, in the sandlot or in the backyard. Or, you know, I remember watching this game. I don't think any sport. And, and man, as I said, I've been very fortunate to call every single sport out there. And most sporting events, I've called the Super Bowl, I've called the NBA Finals, the, the Champions League, you name it. I've been very fortunate to do all that. But there's, there's nothing more romantic than a World Series for whatever reason. I don't know. If it's the papers there and the illustrations of the blue, red, and the white on, in the stands, I don't know if it's the lettering. I don't know what it is, but there's something romantic about baseball. And even though you might lose some fans because the game might be slower than others, there, there's something that you can replace with baseball, and that's that element. And I think you inherit that, um, and then you you pass it on to other generations. So I think I, I don't fear baseball. Uh, being lost because of that. Yeah, they might lose some, some fans and they're trying to make the game faster. Uh, one problem that I have, and then I'm already, I'm not one, part of the younger generation anymore, but I, I really have, I don't like the way the game is being played right now. Um, I think there's too many advanced stats, and I love stats, but there's too many advanced stats. There's too many computers involved. There's too many different things where the game is not, how it was when I started watching the 90s and when I started doing my research about the 80s and the 70s and the 60s. That I can tell you. I'm, I'm not a fan of the way baseball is being played right now. 
but it is what it is. You have to make changes. Uh, but I, I don't think you lose fans because of soccer. I think you have to make your own changes, make the game shorter as they are right now, whatever they, they see fit. Uh, but but even if if MLS surpassed baseball or MLB in terms of popularity, there will still be a, a big enough audience and a specific audience for, for baseball. Right, Alicia? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I go to LAFC games and I see people wearing their Dodger gear. I mean, shoot, Dodgers, the Dodgers have an LAFC night, you know? So I find it very interesting that the Dodgers have partnered up with LAFC and the Galaxy are just, I I guess you got the Angels. You can always partner up with the Angels Galaxy and the Angels can have a Galaxy night. You always get blown away. Every LAFC game that I go to, it doesn't get old. It doesn't get old. No. Every Kings game that I that I go to, and I was there on the field when LAFC won the championship, and I've been to Kings playoffs games, playoff games, and it's one of the biggest experiences of, of just my life being there as a fan. It's incredible. But even if you put those two together, they will not be able to replace what it means to me to go to Dodger Stadium to watch a game. It, yeah. it does. It, it, I don't know what it is. Then again, it's it's probably the romantic factor is the factor that. that I, I went as a kid and I was so excited. There's no I, I compare it to Disneyland. It's the happiest place on earth to me. And then again, I work for LAFC. I work for the Kings and I work for the Clippers. It, I don't work for the Dodgers at the moment, but for whatever reason, it is it, it's Chavez Ravine. It, it, it's the place, man. I think it's because the game is slower. It literally because you can sit and whomever you're with, you can actually have a conversation and still be entertained by the product on the field. The other games, the other, they're so fast yeah. and the energy is so high. It's a different conversation you're having, but there's something that's, that's, I love it for the reasons you do. My, I remember my father taking me. I remember going with cousins. I remember my first ball from Ron Darling. Like I have so many memories, right? And, and it's because baseball's slower. So I don't know. I mean, I know they're doing faster to attract the younger kids, you know, I blame FIFA, the <laughs> video game. Everybody loves FIFA soccer. Yes. It's the best. Even people who don't like soccer play it. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, Alicia, do you got anything else uh, before we start wrapping things up? Francisco's been so gracious with his time. You're so gracious. Just have, just like having fun. Uh, no, I you you answered all my questions. I kept asking more. Thank you. You're a good sport. And uh I know we're going to be seeing you at the games. And is it okay that we uh, give out your socials and, of course. and tell everybody, you know, where to find you? Of course. Yeah. Uh, be, 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 Francisco, before you give those up, uh, we end the show here uh, with our kickback questions. So there's just rapid fire questions. We want to get your opinions on them and then we'll get your socials. Okay. Gotcha. So first question. That final last year between um, the Philadelphia and LAFC, was that the craziest ending you've ever seen? 100%. In terms of a goalie breaking his leg, you lose him, Bale hitting that goal to tie it. And I, I mean, is there anything crazier that you've seen? 100%. The craziest. All right. So next question. We're all here big wrestling fans uh, uh, on this show. Uh, we're we're trying to teach La Princesa de Picolandia because she's not aware of the golden era. So we like to make this an educational segment on this show. Were you ever a fan of the male soap opera at one point in your life? 
And by male soap opera, you mean wrestling? Wrestling, yes. Uh, I, I really like Lucha Libre. I grew up a Lucha Libre fan in, in Mexico. Uh, okay. But let me send a big shout out to two of my most beloved friends, Alberto del Real Patron and Chavo Guerrero Jr. Those are my guys. Chavo Guerrero Jr. Okay, so for our listeners who didn't watch Lucha Libre, how would you explain the difference between Lucha Libre and what we used to see back in the day in the WWF? I've never been, man, but I that's on my bucket list. But people are rowdy. They get into, into wrestlers' faces and their referees. And I think they have it like Arena Mexico. It's a, it's a smaller enclosed place where everyone's all sweaty and they're selling cerveza all over. It's just like an experience. I have to, I couldn't tell you 100% because I haven't been, but it's on my bucket list. And I think it's an experience. I have to have to experience it at some point. I have a question. Are there villains and good guys like in, right. in American wrestling? Los rudos, the, the <laughs> ones, los técnicos, the technical ones. Okay, okay. So when I say the names Blue Demon, Mil Mascaras, El Santo, do uh, those make any, uh, I mean, Rey Mysterio, do those mean anything to you? or Because they're before your time. They're, they're before my time, but you know you know about them. You know about the songs and you know about the movies. El Santo and Blue Demon, they made the corniest <laughs> and probably those yes. biggest churros, as we call them. <laughs> but you know them, El Santo contra las momias y Blue Demon contra las lobas de Tlaxcala. You know about them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Great actors. Great actors, those guys. <laughs> Okay, last one. So on the Bleed Loss podcast, we are, we're about the Dodgers, we're about Los Angeles, but we're also about La Cultura de los Tacos. We love tacos, Francisco. And I mean, you coming from Mexico, this is, this is going to be a two parter. Okay. I'm not going to ask you which ones are better because that's just not fair, but I do want to know what is your favorite taco and where do you go to get that taco? Give me an example in Los Angeles and one in Mexico. Los Angeles is a, is a hit or miss. Uh, they're great wherever you go, but I think I'm spoiled just because I went to, I, I, I grew up in Mexico City. Yeah. It's a tough one, man. Uh, I, let me get started with Mexico City. Okay. Uh, it, for whatever reason, so after every baseball game with my dad growing up, when, when he played, which was like Tuesday, Wednesday nights, my dad, my uncle, and people from the team would go to these tacos in, in Linda Vista. That's the colonia, the neighborhood where we grew up. And uh, for whatever reason, every stand or every taco establishment that you go to, everyone's the paisa. We all call, ¿Qué pasó, paisa? ¿Qué pasó? <laughs> oh, con el paisa. But I, I tell my dad, you, but there's a paisa here, there's a paisa. Which paisa? <laughs> so there's, I would say there, like pastor tacos, uh-huh. they're incredible. And I would say with the paisa, but it's just, you have to figure out which paisa you're talking about. And then uh, bistec, which is what they call carne asada here. Uh-huh. Bistec, carne de bistec down there. And I've, I'm a very rare individual because I like, uh, flour tortillas, tortillas de harina more than I actually <laughs> like uh, maize tortillas, right? Yeah. In Mexico, there's this place. It's, it's more high-end. Uh, they're called El Tacos El Califa. If uh-huh. you guys go to CDMX or Mexico City, I'll, uh, you know, I'll, um, I'll definitely um, recommend it. So Tacos Califa have these tacos with bistec and, and cheese and 
and, fla and flour tortillas, tortillas de harina that are just incredible. So every time we go, yeah. that's like, a, it's more like, then again, like high end, more expensive tacos, but they're really good. It's kind of like, oh, we have to go to Tacos El Califa. But if you go like more of the um, typical, I go to El Paisa. If you go to the more high end with someone that you're taking me as a business associate or someone, you know, a bit more on the uh, high end or more fifi, as they say. Um, those are amazing well alicia was laughing because on the show over here well at least for me I i'm team maize now i will say this sonora town y el ruso son tortillas de harina and i love the tacos there yeah but for me si quiero un taco en la calle it has to be the maize because me las doblan hay dos hay dos Yeah. Dos tortillas ahí y así se, cuando se me cae la carne, aquí tengo otra tortilla y me hago otro taco. Con una tortilla de harina no se puede hacer eso, Francisco. No, I know, I know. But you know, now that you you had you got me thinking. And I recently went to a taco establishment that uh it's become one of my favorites. And that's owned by a huge LAFC guy, Mr. Tacos Way. Mi compa Gabriel que le manda oh. Alicia, I think you met Gabriel before. Yeah. Uh, He, he, I live in Calabazas, and he has a bit um, one of the his taco restaurants in Canoga Park. So it's like 10, 12 minutes away from my house. I went the other day, and I had some birria. It was amazing. Yeah, I don't there know, you I, go. I'm from Jalisco, so I don't know if it's you know. Yeah, he tells me I'm from Jalisco, so it's uh, la recetas de mi abuela y de mi mamá. I believe <laughs> it was amazing. So I would say that that's my taco spot in uh, Mr. Tacos Way. Mi compa Gabriel. <laughs> All right. So um, I know that I said that's the last one, but I, I totally forgot to ask you this. Is it true or is this just like a myth on the Internet? Tu prima es Angelica Rivera? Sí, mi prima es Angelica Rivera. That, how many times do you get sick and tired of, being, of answering that question? No, no, no. It's, uh, to me, it's a, it's a source of pride. She has been a huge mentor. Um, and one story that I can tell you about her, when I, when I decided to come to, to the States, She told my dad, hey, I can get him a job in Televisa. You know, I can hook him up, whatever he needs. And, and then my dad, my dad said, you know, Francisco's mind is set into going to the state. So, you know, I'm going to respect his decision. So she's always been up to this day. We talk uh, pretty much every day. Uh, I'm so glad that his daughters are doing so well, becoming actresses. My, my niece, Sofia, just got her first lead in a Paramount movie called oh. Snap. So uh, she's been my, my mentor. And I'm, I'm very proud. Um, To, to be family. And one of the things that I can tell being involved with baseball, and this is this being a baseball show, I can tell you how many times I've met really good people in baseball, but I've met some people that are jerks in baseball, right? And yeah. talking about some players. Unfortunately, it's the way it is. But with Angelica, I we went to like uh, theme parks in Mexico on restaurants and everything. And she was always so kind to everyone approaching her and, give, you know, and giving an autograph, taking a picture. It doesn't matter if she had a baby in her hands or whatever she was doing. And I really learned that from her. So after that, I said, it doesn't matter if you are Willie Mays or if you are, I don't know, Tom Needham Fewer or, <laughs> <laughs> or Sandy Koufax or whatever you are. Uh, you always have to be kind to people. I, I learned that from her. And I, I credit that. I credit her for that because I saw that as big of a, as a star uh, as she was growing up, she was always very kind to people. So to me, there's, there's never an excuse to be a jerk to people. So I, I learned that from her. So, yeah, that, that makes me real proud. 
That's awesome. And for our listeners and viewers, if you don't know the name Angelica uh, Rivera, um, look up Luis Miguel's music video, Ahora Te Puedes Marchar. And uh, and then you can thank me later because you'll get to listen to Luis Miguel. Ahora Te Puedes Marchar. Um, but Francisco. That's where she started, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show. I uh, You gave us a perspective that I... Uh, I hope is new to a lot of our, our, our viewers and our listeners. So now where can we follow you on the socials? So the, the two that I'm using mostly and both verified. So you'll know it's me, uh, Instagram, Francisco X Rivera or Francisco X Rivera. And then TikTok, Francisco X Rivera nine or Francisco X Rivera nine. So both of them, you know, they're verified. You'll know that it's me. I'm not going to say they hacked me or whatever. (laughs) Well, I I hope we can have you back on the show again, because I don't think we did justice to how truly talented you are. We spent a lot of time talking about the Dodgers and and then we got into LAFC. But this is a man who has called all-star games. He's also, aren't you the youngest person to call a World Series in Spanish in the United States? Yeah, that's right. That's right, too. Yeah. I, I mean, this is a guy. No, it was San Francisco. Oh, wait. Which one was it? Uh, 2012. Oh, my gosh. So, but yeah. there you have it. I mean, you really, uh, you're an inspiration, man. And because to hear the stories in the sense of you pitching ideas, you made it happen. There were things that weren't there and... Since they're not there, instead of complaining, hey, why don't we have this? You made it happen. And I think that is, that is an inspiration to, to all of us. So, so thank you. Get your words. Thank you. This latest episode of the Bleed Lows podcast was brought to you by betonline.ag, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.